Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 90 of the Theatrical Mustang podcast. I'm your host, Katie Woodzik. This episode is with the dynamic and purple-loving Liz Engelman. She's up in our neck of the woods for the 19th annual Hedgebrook Women Playwrights Festival. Festival performances are coming up at Whidbey Island Center for the Arts on Sunday, May 15th at 4 p.m. Also, on Monday, May 16th at 7 p.m. at Seattle Repertory Theater. There's more information in the episode description and a link for you to get tickets. Because you're going to want to see plays by these powerhouse women writers. So please join us. going to be a lot of awesome awesome actors from Seattle locally and quite possibly a good deal of previous podcast guests. The casting for those readings is still being finalized. Anywho, time for some shameless self-promotion, huh? Uh, If you're listening to this before Friday, so the day it posts on Thursday, I will be reading uh, tomorrow night, Friday, Friday the 13th, at T4 at Seattle Center. We're going to be doing a workshop reading of Seth Tankus's new play, the untitled play about art school. Kiki Abba's in the cast. Nicole Cave is directing. I love the pants off of Seth Tankus's work. Very, very excited about that. Also, I get to announce that in August, I will be playing Macbeth. You heard that right. Uh, Bo Pritchard is putting together this new program for the new pocket space in Soto, which is going to be called The Slate, and it's called The Shakespeareament, and there's going to be nine ensemble actors playing all of the roles that aren't Macbeth and Lady Macbeth, and then three pairs of leads coming in. My Lady Macbeth is the fantastic Christopher Ellis. Dale Anderson is also involved. She's one of the Lady Macbeths. But hold the first weekend in August for that, and possibly the second, and I will get y'all more information as it becomes available to me. But for right now, I want you to enjoy episode 90 with Liz Engelman. I'm really excited to welcome Liz Engelman to the podcast. Hi. Hi, Katie. <laughs> Let's talk about new plays, huh? Oh, yeah. So you're, you're here as a dramaturg for the 19th annual Hedgebrook Women Playwrights Festival. We're about, what, two-thirds of the way through the process as we're recording it. What, what's what been going on? What's, what, what have people been writing about? Who do you know? What, what excites you? All the questions at once. <laughs> It has been such a great time out here. We've got five women writing furiously in their cottages, on the beach, outside on picnic tables, near ponds. They're working hard, being inspired by beautiful surroundings, even when they're writing really difficult things. I heard a rumor that one of the plays has a, a element about bees and I, this is why I love Hedgebrook the Hedgebrook chef happened to have a neighbor who was going to the beekeeping meeting and so we made sure that the playwright got to go to the beekeepers meeting and then another writer is writing a play that has 
orcas somewhere in it, and there are orcas around Whidbey Island right now. And so Whidbey Island seriously has everything these writers need right now. It's magic. It's magic. And Christiana, who is working on an- another play other than the one she's started to work on while she's here, um, it's about orcas. And she thought, oh, maybe I can go whale watching while I'm out here. And it was full, and it was waitlisted, and she thought, there's no way I can do this. And then wouldn't you know, space is opening up. She's probably going to be able to go tomorrow. And it's like, you know, Lady Hedgebrook and Woodby Magic, it's making it happen. Making it happen. And then uh, Madri, who was working on a play called Queen, um, think about the Queen Bee, mm-hmm. um, all of a sudden was able to deepen her understanding of bee population because she was able to talk to some people who do it here. So it's like anything you ask for would be provides. It's kind of amazing. amazing. But there's also the sense of, you know, you work on something while you think you're going to work on something while you're here at Hedgebrook, and then another play burbles up too. So I would say that several of the writers who are here working on the play they thought they were going to work on, they're also working on something else because you never know what's going to inspire you on a day-to-day basis. So what number festival is this for you, for the Hedgebrook Women Playwrights Festival? You know, I don't have enough fingers and toes to count anymore. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or I guess next year, what is 20? I will, I'll, I'll max out my fingers and toes. But I've, I've been in it with it since the beginning when I worked at ACT. Um, 1998, we, Vita was working at ACT too, and, and together we partnered with this festival. And then there have been some years where I haven't been able to come, and so Chris Sumption and I have rotated out. But I would say probably like 15 of the 19 or something I've been part of. It's, it's basically the thing I must do every year. It's, it's, it. it's returning home. What are some, over, you know, over the 15 years, in the 19-year period, what are some stories that, like, pop front of mind about where plays have gone or moments writers have had in the process? Like, what are, what are your top hits of the Hedrick Wynn Playwrights Festival? You know, it's funny because there's always the, where have plays gone and what stages are they on? And, of course, that's a huge aim of the festival is getting women's voices onto our main stages uh, across the country. And over the last, mm, I don't know, five, six years, we've done a really good job, I think, at linking um, linking playwrights to theaters uh, who are developing women on the stage and then getting those plays produced and really providing some... Um, content into that pipeline so to speak to use all that industry terms and in the last couple years um a lot of plays have gone on to main stages but i think for me the more exciting news happens off stage you know and just the community of of writers around the farmhouse table talking sharing stories about their lives sharing stories about their challenges um there's been so much change in the festival over 19 years, but what hasn't changed is that kitchen table in the farmhouse has always been the same wooden table. And so it's just kind of amazing to think about all the different conversations that have happened with these four or five or six writers, depending on the year, plus one, two or three dramaturgs, depending on the year. Um, all the conversations and ghosts of conversations that have happened in that room um, that extend that way beyond a production's four weeks on a stage if that makes sense absolutely i feel like there have been so many connections and relationships formed here and bonds made by women playwrights that have lasted decades and i remember one um early early on in one of the first two years of the festival a playwright 
said, oh my God, this is the first time I've actually hung out with other playwrights. She lived in New York and wasn't in a writer's group, and there, there were fewer back then. There were fewer writer's groups, and there were fewer opportunities, I think, for writers to just be together. I think so much changed over the last two decades. But then it was like, oh my God, I'm hanging out with other writers, and she couldn't believe it. And so I'm glad that we have that experience for women and that that's changed the more opportunities now for people to have community. Absolutely. How do you, when people say, what's the, hey, what's a dramaturg? Uh, what is, what is your go-to definition? Because they're so important and people, people like, don't, I don't know, they're like theater ninjas almost. And like people don't know necessarily the importance of a dramaturg early on in the process of a play. Oh my God, there's so many metaphors that people use for dramaturgs. It's like awful. I love the theater ninja one. That's going to be my new go-to. Um, I like to think of it as, um, oh my God, it's like, how do I like to put it? I feel like it's a writer's or a play's best friend is really how I see it. That you're there so to awesome. you're there to su- to support that play and to make it everything that it wants to be and call on it call it on itself when it's not, you know? And if the play is trying to be its best self, how do you get it there? Um, and how do you show it to itself when it's not being its best self? And how do you show it to the writer when it's not quite what the writer sees? So I think there's a lot of um there's there's listening, there's reflecting, there's refracting, there's reframing, there's holding the mirror up. Um, there are all these different actions that I think is really just trying to, yeah, show the play in its best image to itself and to the writer who made it. That's beautiful. That's freaking amazing. Like, is that no man? You're beautiful and you're freaking amazing. <laughs> so what, what would like a typical, hello, hello. What would a typical day look like for you? A day in the life of a turd? Well, like for the (laughs) festival, right? Like, what are you doing during a given day? It's funny because the the role of the dramaturg has changed so much here over the years. At the... at the beginning, we didn't even come out the first couple of years. We were um, with the writers in developing their plays in Seattle, and then the playwrights came out here on their own to continue working, and they felt, well, when all the work is starting, after we've heard the plays, we want to have more conversation with our best friends, the dramaturgs. So, um, so then we started to come out, and we would split being dramaturgs for, like, half of the writers would be with one dramaturg, half of the writers the other. And in the last couple of years, we've just thought, you know what? Let's be a kind of posse of turbs. We're here. We're open. Like, the doctor is in. And um, when writers want to talk to someone about their play, whichever one it is, you know, you don't have to have any forced marriages, um, we can have conversations. So sometimes it means um, having a conversation perched on one of the cottage uh, windowsills with yeah. the playwright. Sometimes it's um, reading scenes and responding um, Sometimes it's reading scenes aloud just with the writer and going, okay, this is what I heard. How do you feel? And sometimes it's all of us getting together after dinner, hearing a new draft of the play or a draft of another play and just being together. So um, I kind of feel like it's a little bit like dramaturgy on call, like 1-900-TURG-ME-BABY, call if you need me, you know? (laughs) And just if you feel like you want to have a conversation um, about your work or process of work, do so so I'm um although this week right now I'm I'm busy uh casting the 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 actors for the readings that are going to be this weekend so it's a little bit more product oriented at the moment how long have you been a dramaturg 
I have been a dramaturg since Tyrannosaurus Rex walked the <laughs> <laughs> I think I came out a dramaturg. Um, when I was in high school, a teacher of mine, uh, high, a high school teacher in my literature and madness class, when I was a junior, said, Liz, you should be a dramaturg. And I said, what? You know, a drama what? Sounds like a turd. And then she told me what it was. And I was like, well, that sounds cool. I want to be able to look at the big picture and relate it to the small and look at the small picture and relate it to the big. That's a job. So that's what I've been doing since I was, um, I guess, 16, 17 years old. Wow. I don't know how to do anything else. So thank goodness it worked out for me. Um, but I kind of feel like my job's changed. You know, I started working in institutional theaters. Um, and then I kind of broke free out of that and been you know, freelancing and just figuring out that it's not only working on a specific play and talking about like what's happening in your second act but it's really trying to create an environment for um writers and collaborators and creatives to do their best work and kind of discover what their self-expression is so working like places at hedgebrook working at Tofty lake center at norm's fish camp that i started inspired by hedgebrook about 10 years ago um, that I'm interested in kind of in creating environments and containers for work to be made rather than only working on the work itself. So I kind of feel like someone said to me, Liz, I think what you do is three-dimensional dramaturgy. <laughs> like, I guess, yeah, it's really that. It's like, what's the conversation also around the work, not just about the work? What have you found over the years that, what are the key components to creating a safe space, a, a juicy collaborative space for new work to happen? Are they, do, does it depend on, you know, where you are or are there common threads that run throughout? It's a great question. I would say the foundation for all of it is trust. I think if you feel trusted by somebody, if you feel like somebody is respecting you, trusting you, or showing their trust, exhibiting their trust, invested in respecting you, and really loving you uh, and your work, then you can really work anywhere. And so I think if somebody's basically just saying, I believe in you, um, and even almost more believing in the person than the work. It's like whatever, the, the work you make, it's coming from you and you matter. And so what can we do? You know, and that's where I think if somebody feels kind of seen or, or ready to be listened to, then they're encouraged to do their best stuff. Um, so that's why I just try to be really... Um, present and available to somebody so they know that their process that they and their process is going to matter and it's going to turn into something of value i just want to like frame all of your answers can i do that after of course you can sew them onto little pillow cross stitch and lean on them yes mm -hmm. cross stitch needlepoint make sure they're we'll purple pillows has to be purple we'll sell it on etsy and it'll make a million dollars what is the next question? The next question is why why is it so important uh, to have gender parity in theater and why don't we have it now? That's a big flippin' question. That's a big flippin' question. Um, I, I mean, I think one, the answer of the importance is an answer that Hedgebrook uses often. I've probably stolen it from them, which is, you know, um, well, stories matter and those who tell the stories um, have, have power and are listened to. And so if we're keeping some people from telling the stories or we're not listening to those stories being told, we're not, um, we're not getting a huge part of the, what the experience is to be alive on this planet and to be um, alive on this planet in certain ways and through certain experiences and lenses. And so it's important that everybody's 
stories are, are heard and listened to. And so, um, I mean, that's just basic that like everyone has a right to their story and traditionally, you know, statistically men have had more right over their stories than anyone else. So, um, I think that's just, that's the given is like, how, how do we change that equation? Um, and what's interesting is that it's taken so long, you know, because we've been talking about this for many years now. Uh, and I don't, I think there are assumptions of, and I don't think it's just, I don't think it's just men who have the assumption, but it's, it's, um, a kind of, it's more a traditional mind frame that was maybe <laughs> in the tradition of, of kind of of male leadership of institutional theater for so long is that there's a certain kind of story that people want to hear you know there's a certain way of stories being told and um getting out of that and proving that there are other ways to tell stories both in terms of con of form how we tell a story and then also of course the content well who's telling it and who it's about um and that you don't need to tell a story in relationship to whiteness and you don't have to tell a story in relationship to maleness that stories a woman's story um, a trans story a person of color story can be their story and not in relation to and I think that's the biggest thing to learn is that it's not um, still seen through other lenses it's through the own lens <laughs> that makes any sense yeah no yeah. absolutely because we're still we're still at what 22 percent of plays produced around the country are written by women, and so that means 78% are written by men. And uh, yet, I mean, when I think about who the, like, our graduating year right now of UT playwrights, yeah. um, four out of four are women. Um, in our cohort of 15 theater and dance, I mean, MFA theater and dance students, so three years of master degree students, um, Three of the fifteen are men, and the rest are women. Wow! Or maybe it's four. I'm, the math is, but you know, so it's overwhelmingly female. Um, you know, some of the most talented um, writers and directors that we're finding in our programs um, are women, and um, we just have to make sure that the bridge out of grad school into profession, you know, is not blocked. <laughs> right. <laughs> Making sure the bridge is clear. <laughs> Under construction. Like <laughs> so you've been you've been working in the playwriting and directing department at University of Texas at Austin for three, two, two years, two and a half years. years. What's that? But so you get to deal with these not deal. You get to work with these really excited, you know, emerging artists. What what are some themes in their work like what are sort of the juicy stuff that's coming up for them right now would what's you say what's so exciting working with them is that I learn about what theater is going to look like tomorrow yeah. you know what I mean like yeah I'm not teaching them anything about how to make theater they are showing me what theater will be um and a lot of that is actually I'm I'm been surprised a lot of that is really looking at the relationship between um uh the th piece that's being made in the audience and how, and what is that space in which play is received and how does audience interact with the work immerse themselves in the work so there's a lot more immersive theater there's a lot more site-specific theater there's a lot more um put on headphones and experience this piece by yourself right you know, a lot more devised work and so i really feel like the 
we do you can't see me right now but i'm doing the rabbit ears the, the play type <laughs> plays seem to be um sometimes less of the focus than uh how are we exploring with um how process and product the line between process and product merge and it's right. really like the experience of the piece is almost process in some ways um the challenge is because it's all so new it's like how to talk about something on new terms on its own terms because you don't have terms for <laughs> for it sometimes and then figuring out for those some of the more traditional plays which are as exciting as anything um figuring out how you marry like craft and craft basics which everyone needs to know in some way with explosive imagination so you don't forget craft and just go into crazy land but you also don't get too mired and too focused on craft that you don't let your imagination take you somewhere you know so the balance between the two um tools and forgetting the tools and just flow you know yeah yeah what are some resources for folks who want to read new plays i know the kilroy's list is fantastic are there other like websites or or resources that come sort of top of mind to you god i wish i had something top of mind other than the kilroy's um no i mean i find that i um i i often just look to see what's happening at the different um, writers from the different festivals that are being being produced around the country and then get interested in their work that way or like who's at new dramatist right now uh, who was just presented at S South Coast Pacific Playwrights Center f a festival or who's up the, who's core members of the Playwrights Center right now or who was just at the Denver Theater S Summit so just really kind of following um work that's out there rather than because that's that's kind of active and a verb rather than just like here's a list of pl of plays right. you know um and I find that right now I feel like work is so relational more than it is like this play is sent to you by but it's really about like who who are the exciting writers and then you find out oh that writer and then like what have you guys what have you been working on lately and I think things used to be a little bit more what's the latest play and now it's a little bit more the human what's that human working on love it what what goes on at your retreat center and how did that happen and and when are you there and what what are all the goodness go, goodness elements about that uh it's seasonal living so uh, right when it gets really really hot in austin <laughs> <laughs> and the school year ends which is now i sp go up to the boundary waters of minnesota and spend basically three months up there um and i've been doing that for the last 10 years spending the summer up there i used to split my time between woodby island in there and then when i was freelancing in minneapolis and basically, um, I imagined a little mini Hedgebrook and what could that look like? Because I just remember being so inspired years ago when um, the first Women Playwrights Festival, a woman got up to take her plate to the to the sink and, and the chef at the time said, no, 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 sit down. You're here to write. We're here to take care of you. And that playwright's face froze and there was a tear going down her cheek and this picture of shock and awe. And I just thought, oh, more women need to be told that and more more writers need to be told that and that stayed with me for gosh at least a decade or something uh and then when I was living in Minneapolis and I just thought I really want to 
do something for writers and not not only women and not only writers but uh, but artists and um I found this property that was up in the Boundary Waters in a place that I would visit in the summers frequently and just fell in love with that area. And this old fish camp had become available, and um, Norm, yeah. of Norm's Fish Camp, Norm had said, oh, yeah, this is a place where, like, you know, drunks from Duluth will come and fish. And I thought, okay, well, what drunks from Duluth need to feel comfortable and at home is a little different from what artists need to feel inspired. <laughs> so so after some renovating, <laughs> some major renovating and some... Um, major refurbishing uh, in 2006 or 7 between 2006 and 2008 I opened up this um, retreat for artists to come and spend week long residencies working on whatever their creative project might be. At first it was mostly playwrights because that's my background but now it's it's dancers visual artists, composers, musicians um, as well as writers of all kinds and we do some master class weeks. We look at sometimes um, how to work doing installation in nature and responding to the place that we're in, the environment that we're in. Um, sometimes it's groups working on one specific project, a dance company or a theater company. Sometimes it's emerging artists working on all different works from all different disciplines and they brush up elbows and, and are surprised that one person was painting silence and the other person was composing silence and they were there the same week. So, you know, fun connections get made that way. And that's where three-dimensional dramaturgy comes in, where it's really like you just you open this place up for whatever kind of inspiration and connections get made. I avail myself as a dramaturg for people who want it, but I'm also, you know, cruise director and paddleboard <laughs> instructor. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You just do everything, and I am, gr I am grateful that you exist. Oh, thank you. That's not a question, but I am grateful <laughs> that you exist. Well, I guess circling back around to this year's festival, um, as always, the first performance will be at Woodby Island Center for the Arts on Sunday at 4. And then this year, we're going back to Seattle Rep. And so Monday night um, at 7 p.m. And I'll have the link in the episode description. What's your elevator pitch for getting folks to get off their bums on a beautiful May weekend and evening to come see new works written by women playwrights? You know, not only um, is this festival is Hedgebook important for so many reasons, but this festival in particular is featuring uh, works by five women of color who are uh, for the first time actually here at Hedgebrook, Five women of, of color whose work is tackling um, a range of of subject matters from. Um, and, and probably one of the most political festivals in some ways over the years, like um, looking at um, the, the the street corner, Florissant and Canfield, where Mike Brown was, was shot, and looking at the protest wow. riots that were coming out of that, and looking at um, letting people know about Aesop, of Aesop's fables. M many people think that he was a white guy in a toga in Delphi, you know, years, years, years ago. But no, he was an Ethiopian slave. And um, and the the suppression of his stories and the ownership of his stories. Um, th these, are, these are topics that are so important to hear about. That's, that's not only looking at um, beautifully crafted scenes about relationships over time, but it's looking about, like, like what are the stories in this in this world today, let's look at uh, how we relate as humans to our 
past and how we can change and create our future. And um, there's they're just exciting voices, powerful voices by five powerful women. Uh, and what else would you want to do with a sun on a Sunday or Monday? I love it. That's perfect. That's perfect. Thank you for sitting down with me. You have been amazing and I'm going to go make my needlepoint Liz Engelman quotation pillows about dramaturgy and new plays now um hey thanks for stopping by the podcast thank you bye